0: This morning, uh, Jason and Lexi are here with us. They are co-pastors of a new church plant in the Kansas City area with our denomination. I'm going to invite Lexi to come up. And uh, I'm just so excited they can be here this morning and encourage us with what God's doing in this new church plant, Engage South KC. So Lexi, thank And Lexi's going to be sharing uh, God's word with us this morning as well. But just wanted to let you hear a little bit about their church, and then we're going to pray for them as we continue to worship together. So Lexi, tell us about this new church plant and sure. kind of the vision you guys have for it.
1: Thanks for having us here this morning. We're kind of a non-traditional church plant, and our rhythms, we meet on the first and third Sunday of the month for worship. And then the rest of the month, we're out serving in the city, and lots of great things have happened from that. This year alone, we've served thousands of meals to the houseless. We're working in the areas of racial reconciliation. We're kind of home-based out of the Waldo Brookside area, but we're focused in on the Troost Corridor as our ministry area. Our vision is that we're inspired by Jesus us, impacting our city and the world. And we do that by living by faith, laboring in love and enduring in hope. We're going to have four main intersections that we're focused in on. The intersection between urban and suburban life, which truly truest is that intersection where you go from urban to suburban or the other way around depending on how you're traveling. Second intersection is the intersection between faith and the arts, and you'll see a little bit of that in our worship today. During our worship gatherings, um, there's always an artistic element, and the things that we're doing out in the community are centered around the arts. And then lastly, the intersection between people who know Jesus and people who don't know Jesus. So we, we try to create intentional intersections where people can come together, work together, and we can share the love of Jesus with people who don't know him yet, so that's who we are.
0: Thanks, Lexi. So uh, I just want to encourage you afterwards, come up to Lexi, your husband, Nathan's here, or Jason and Jillian was here last week leading us in worship, and come up to Lexi or Jason and ask them about the church. How can we encourage them? How can we support them and be with them in it? And uh, it's just exciting to be able to partner in this new thing God's doing in our community. So let's pray for Engage South KC and pray for the rest of our time together. Will you pray with me? Father God, we're so thankful that you are present with us this morning that you have encouraged us as we've seen uh, Caitlin uh, be baptized and and the transformation you're doing in her life. Lord, the ways you are working in our hearts as well and how you are drawing us together as your church. Father, we thank you that we get to see um, your kingdom expanding. And I'm so thankful for Lexi and for Jason and the work you have called them to in planting this new church. And I just pray that you would be encouraging them, Lord, that you would allow them to see that you are gathering people um, to engage in your kingdom work in our community in, in South Casey, Lord. We pray especially for those who um, are not experiencing the new life they can have in Christ, that are unaware of what Jesus has done for them. That uh, They're probably aware, Lord, that you're there, God, that you're around, but they may not know how to engage with you or know you, and I, I pray that you would help uh, Lexi and help Jason as they lead this congregation, this, this uh, community, that they might encounter people and, and draw them close to you, that uh, that new life and, and transformation can be our celebration, Lord. So we thank you that we can be together this morning. We continue to offer this time to you, we invite you to speak to us, encourage us, challenge us, and draw us close to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
2: Amen. Well, I want to I say thank you to you. I'm Jason. I'm the co-pastor of this church, and I've also been term Worship Leader here for a while, so you guys kind of know me, but you get to hear a little more about what I'm doing when I'm not doing this. Um, so we're going to begin this morning, our, our traditional kind of sermon time will begin in a, a non-traditional kind of way. We're going to dwell with the scripture today, sit with the scripture, and give you some thoughts to ponder, um, just some ideas to think about as we sit with the scripture. So our scripture today is the story of God preparing his people for the Passover, which the Passover, that's actually a pretty, good, it's a pretty good description of exactly what this was. The Passover was God passing over. And what that meant was big trouble for Egypt, as Pastor Nate has been talking about in previous services. Because Pharaoh, who was the leader of Egypt, had refused to give in to God. He'd hardened his heart. He refused to release God's people from slavery and from oppression. He'd had multiple chances to do this over and over again and over and over again. He would not relent. And so now all of Egypt and Pharaoh himself would see just how far God was willing to go for his people, just how far God was willing to go for freedom and redemption and salvation and reconciliation and ultimately new life. For God's people, which is what they needed and is what they would receive. And my guess is when we think about words like slavery and oppression, we, some of us, we can't necessarily relate to those words. But think about this slavery and oppression are awful, awful, terrible things. We can all agree on that. But they're really just symptoms of something else. And that something else is fear. I had the chance to go down to the Auschwitz exhibit, which was down at Union Station, and if some of you may have gone to it. If you did, you realize that the people that put that, th- that together, they did an amazing job of portraying a very tragic truth. And that truth was that Hitler used fear of the Jewish people and others to spread his web of hatred and death it was the fear that pharaoh had of the hebrew people that led him to be to harden his heart to god we see so many symptoms today of fear in our culture don't we so we may or may not feel like we can relate to symptomatic things like slavery and oppression unfortunately some of us can but we can all relate to fear can we not we can all relate to fear. So as I read this scripture, I want you to think about this question today. How is fear standing in the way for you of new life? How is fear standing in the way of new life? And my thought for you to ponder is this, it's the ultimate beautiful irony of God's story See, there was no real threat behind the fear that Hitler was spreading. There was no real threat behind the fear of Pharaoh. The only one to fear is God. And God is the one who over and over and over and over and over and over again says what? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Fear not. So I'm going to ask you as I read this scripture to close your eyes. And I don't want you to close your eyes because I'm trying to do some spiritual magic trick. The reason why I want you to close your eyes is because I want you to engage the part of your brain, your brain that creates pictures as you hear words. I want you to see the preparation for the Passover. I want you to ponder that place where the reverence of God eclipses all other fears. That place where new life is waiting. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes as I read this scripture. This is Exodus 12, 1 through 13 from the message. God said to Moses and Aaron while still in Egypt, This month is to be the first month of the year for you. Address the whole community of Israel, tell them, That on the 10th of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one lamb to a house. If the family is too small for a lamb, then share it with the close neighbor, depending on the number of persons involved. Be mindful of how much each person will eat. Your lamb must be a healthy male, one year old. You can select it from either the sheep or the goats. Keep it pinned until the 14th day of this month and then slaughter it. The entire community of Israel will do this. At dusk. Then take some of the blood and smear it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which you will eat it. You are to eat the meat roasted in the fire that night, along with the bread made without yeast and bitter herbs. Don't eat any of it raw or boiled in water. Make sure it's roasted. The whole animal, head, legs, innards, don't leave any of it until morning. If there are leftovers, burn them in the fire. And here is how you're to eat it. Be fully dressed, your sandals on, your stick in your hand. Eat in a hurry. It's the Passover to God. I will go through the land of Egypt on this night and strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, whether human or animal, and bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am God. The blood will serve as a sign on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No disaster will touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. And now hear these words from Isaiah 43. But now, God's message. The God who made you in the first place, Jacob. The one who got you started, Israel. Don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called your name. You're mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end because I am God, your personal God, the holy of Israel, your Savior. I paid a huge price for you. All of Egypt with rich cush and seba thrown in, that's how much you mean to me. That's how much I love you. I'd sell off the whole world to get you back. Trade the creation just for you. We're gonna sing a song in response to what we've heard and seen. And I invite you during that time, if you'd like to stand, you can. If you'd like to stay seated, and reflect on what you've seen and heard, you can do that also.
3: You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance. Sing that again, and I'm no longer.
1: to share with you today the story of a country in crisis. A deep sense of hopelessness had settled in across the land. And the people were experiencing political oppression and religious persecution. And at the hand of a corrupt, hard-hearted leader who was far from God, the people suffered. There was a water shortage Disease had struck the livestock. A natural disaster and bugs took out many of the crops. And across the country, people were struck with great ailments that weren't curable or understood. Darkness had settled in across the land. And now, this country's leader was faced with making the right decision by ending an era of corruption and persecution, or refusing to change and being responsible for the death of thousands of people. And this leader chose. Wrong. He refused to choose freedom over slavery. And that night, the Spirit of God swept through every household that was not marked with the blood of the Lamb. And every firstborn child died. And as heart wrenching cries went up across the land, the captives were set free. An era of injustice suddenly came to a halt. I think by now you've probably figured out that I am telling you the story of when Moses went in to take on Pharaoh in Egypt to get God's people set free. It is the Passover story. And I gave Nate a hard time first service for giving me a hard story to tackle. Well, thank you, Nate, again. This is a deep, heavy story to dive into, the Passover story. It was a dark era, and there's a lot to process here. But it's a good reminder that in the darkest moments is when we see the light shine the brightest. Hear this. When darkness fell, when night came in Egypt, the people of Israel were protected by the blood of the Lamb. And I would guess that as I told you this story today, you could easily see it in modern times. You could easily see current circumstances over the circumstances in this story. Because in the last 20 years alone, we've seen a lot of dark times in our country, haven't we? We've seen a lot of dark times across this world, haven't we? But guess what? we're protected by the blood of the lamb. John 1:5, 1, one of my favorite verses, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Yes, we've seen dark times, but we know that that light is Jesus and that light is shining between, through you and me out among the darkness. You see, the blood of the lambs on the door of the Israelites was standing in for the blood of Jesus that would eventually set us free and clear away that sin that kept us from being a close to a holy God. So do not give up. Do not fear. The season feels dark because it is a dark season. But you and I, because we're walking in relationship with Jesus, have been marked safe. We've been marked for an eternity with God, and that's something to celebrate. And as we walk in that authority, as we walk in that assurance, we have the hope of Jesus. And I think there's some things that we can learn as we walk in that from the story of Moses taking on Pharaoh. There are two words that I used for my sermon title today, and they're the two words, if you remember nothing else that I say today that I want you to remember, and those two words are, it's personal. It's personal. It's personal. Uh, A fellow pastor recently shared her experience of working through the Passover story with a group of Bible study students. And as they were wrestling with this idea of the firstborn children in Egypt dying, a well-meaning young lady offered up this solution. She said that the Egyptians should not take it personally that that happened, and I truly believe that this young lady was well-intentioned. She went well by that comment. But here's the thing. It's not accurate or beneficial to take the personal out of the Bible. Her, her statement actually reminded me of a movie. Has anyone seen You've Got Mail? Anyone? I'm going to give a quick recap for those of you who have not seen one of the best movies of all time, which you should go watch this afternoon, because it talks about bouquets of sharpened pencils, and it's a perfect movie for the fall. So here's the deal. Meg Ryan's character owns a bookstore called The Shop Around the Corner. And Tom Hanks, he owns this bookstore that's called uh, Fox Books. Big Bad Fox Books is how they joke about it in the story. And Fox Books puts The Shop Around the Corner out of business because he's got cheap prices and good coffee, as he likes to say. So after the shop around the corner goes out of business, Tom goes to visit Meg's character to make her feel better about her mom's bookstore going out of business. And he says to her, it's not personal, it's just business. And she responds back in one of the epic lines of the movie, and she says, whatever else anything is, it ought to begin by being Personal. And I think that applies to this story too. We live in a society that chooses not to take important things personally. We take lots of things personally, but we don't necessarily take important things personally. Drought and water restrictions in California, I mean, that's concerning, but it's not personal because it's not affecting us, right? Devastating earthquake in Haiti, that was sad but it wasn't personal. How about the 25 million victims of human trafficking across this world? I mean, I don't know anybody who's personally been trafficked. Do you? How about this? Racial injustice. It's not personal. It's not the answer for today's Issues that plague this world, and it isn't the answer for the Bibles either, my friends. It communicates something about God that we do not intend to communicate. Because the Bible is the story of a God who from Genesis to Revelation to today is striving to be in personal relationship with us. Through these stories that we read in the Bible, and even today as we interact, he wants to be in relationship with us. I love the fact that Jason chose Isaiah 43 as an opening scripture for us to dwell on. And we didn't like pre-orchestrate that. I was working on my sermon and I came to like, it's personal. And God told Jason, this is the scripture. And it just so happens that it talks about a personal God in this scripture. So I want to remind you what it says. It says, when you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end because I am God. Your personal God, the Holy of Israel, your Savior. I paid a huge price for you. All of Egypt with rich Cush and Seba thrown in. You see, this is a huge price. It wasn't a light decision that God landed on when he went in and freed his people in the way that he did. It was personal to God that the people of Israel, the nation that would eventually raise up his son, Jesus, were taken into captivity and were being mistreated, were being held in slavery. That was personal to him. And Pharaoh was repeatedly given opportunities to let the people go. Remember our kids sing that song, you know, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go, right? He was repeatedly given opportunities to let the people go, and he didn't. The situation was personal. And we see in Isaiah that it was costly, too. It wasn't taken lightly. Now, what about Moses? We remember that Moses was born into an Israelite genocide, right? Pharaoh had ordered that the midwives go in and they kill the newborn baby boys, and the midwives didn't think that was a good idea to handle the babies in that way so that he didn't do it. And so then the Pharaoh's backup plan was, hey, okay, we're going to take the boys out and we're going to throw them into the Nile River. Oh, not my phone. Okay, <laughs> throw them out into the Nile River. And after escaping a certain death, right, because his mom threw him in a basket and he floated down the river and he was rescued by an Egyptian, Moses was raised into an Egyptian family. So it was personal to him as well. He had personal connections with the Egyptians, and then he had personal connections with the Israelites as he saw his family of origin being abused, taken into captivity in the Egyptian slavery system. You see, throughout time, we've seen God raise up to protect his people, taking it as far as sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for us in order to come into a personal relationship with us. And while the Israelites were marked with the blood of a perfect lamb, we are marked by Jesus as part of the family of God. And while Moses had God speaking to him and guiding him, we have the Holy Spirit working in and through us, guiding us as we go about the Lord's business, don't we? Now, I know it feels like We're navigating dark times because we are. The times are dark, but there is still light shining in the darkness and the darkness is not going to overcome it. There is hope for the captives. There is hope for those who are stuck in darkness. There is hope for those who are hurting. And you know why? It's because it's personal. It was personal for God and it's personal for you and me. Working as agents of Jesus Christ in this world, we have to take it personally. And so it is my prayer for you as we leave today that we take a stance and be determined to take things personally. To go out and work in the world as if we take it personally that there's pain and darkness in this world. Go out and shine your light and make that darkness flee. Let's participate in setting captives free. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for taking it personally that we've been trapped in darkness, that we're experiencing pain. God, I ask that you come alongside us. May we feel your presence clearly. And God, as we go out today, lead us, guide us. May we take it personally that others are experiencing darkness especially if those people don't know you. May we be your agents in a hurting world. In Jesus' name, amen.